Hey, uh, so glad that you joined us today. Uh, my name's Noah, and um, I have the honor of uh, serving as the pastor here at Way Church. And I'm so excited to open up and read the scripture to you that they memorized. Uh, I do not have it memorized, and now I feel really bad. So if you have your Bible and you want to turn to uh, Luke chapter 2, that's where we are going to camp out on this amazing Sunday morning. Luke chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 1. As you turn, uh, best time of year, undisputed, best time of the year. Um, this is actually going to be our family's first Christmas where we wake up in our own house and we don't go uh, to someone else's house. And I just want to tell you, I'm thankful for that. We're going to bake cookies. We're going to read the Christmas story. We're going to watch Elf. And it's going to be magical. And I hope that it's magical for you guys as well. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited before we do any of those things to uh, celebrate the real reason for Christmas, which is the birth of Jesus Christ. It's uh, celebrating the miracle of God becoming man. And um, today we're going to just take a look at what that means uh, together. And uh, really, really honored that you joined us today. So Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1, this is what it says. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius, Quirinius every year, I'm like, say this right, and I nailed it yet again. So uh, while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of, of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and he was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in, their heart, in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and they had seen, which were just as they had been told. Really excited um, to dive into this today, but one of the things that I just want to remind us of before we, um, before we pray one more time is that this story, uh, the Christmas story, Luke chapter 2, uh, it, it wasn't a fictional thing. Um, Caesar Augustus was a real person. 
Uh, Quirinius was a real person. Jesus was a real person. This was a real time in history that's not just recorded in our Bibles, but it's actually recorded in our history books. Uh, So much so that now, even today, we actually measure our calendars based off of the birth of Jesus Christ. And so I think sometimes when when we read the Bible and we open up the Christmas story, it's it's just like this, this amazing, beautiful tale. But I want us to remind our souls today that this is not just a story that happened in a galaxy far, far away. Uh, This is real history that happened. There was a real uh, birth of a man named Jesus in a real town called Bethlehem in a real uh, real time of history. And uh, I really, really um, want us to start in that place as we break down this passage of scripture together. Will you pray with me? God, thank you so much for your presence that's here today. We thank you for those Uh, cute kids leading us in worship this morning. We thank you for all of the amazing blessings that you've just poured into our lives, God. We're so grateful today to celebrate the greatest blessing, which is the gift of your son, Jesus. We ask that you would speak to us this morning through your word. We love you. We thank you so, so much for the movie Elf. And everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. When, uh, When I was growing up, I did not have a choice. I was going to be in the Christmas production every single year. Uh, My parents did not believe in free will. Um, They signed me up immediately. In fact, when I was uh, just three weeks old was actually the first time that I was ever in a Christmas production, December 23rd, 1994. Okay, most people ease into their acting careers with a background role of some kind. I got thrown into being baby Jesus at three weeks old. No pressure, kid, okay? Uh, Christmas productions, I I love them. I I love everything about them. In the Heron household, we were gonna serve the Lord, we were gonna pay our taxes, and we were gonna be in that Christmas production. Come on, somebody. And so uh, over the years, I have played Joseph, I have played baby Jesus, I have played the wise men. There was one year where they strapped some pillows to my back and they threw a blanket over me and called me a camel. Okay, Uh, you cannot spell Christmas production without N-O-A-H. That's what I'm trying to tell you this morning. And uh, this past week, I was on social media, and I came across this video that went viral of a little boy, I think uh, he's a British little boy, who was given a role in his Christmas production that really excited me and really excited him. And so just in case you haven't seen this video, I, I brought it for you today and would love for you to just check this out. I'm a classic one. Classic role, is it? Classic part? Yeah. Um, Joseph? No. Uh, uh, one of the three wise men? No. But it's a classic part? Yeah. Okay. Um, you tell me then, because... I'm door holder number three, I'll be holding doors. That's amazing! Holding doors for who? Um, probably um, Joseph and Mary. Oh my gosh, were you pleased when they said that? And I was like, I'm a door holder, get in there, let's go, yeah. <laughs> I'll have to wear like brown. Really? Yeah, probably. Excellent. That's, well, that's really smart, Milo. Get in there. Isn't that the best? <laughs> um, 
talking about Christmas productions, Christmas roles, because uh, I had a little bit of a unique approach to Luke chapter 2 this year. Every year this time, uh, we read Luke chapter 2 as a family, and this year for the first time, I got to read it to prepare a sermon. And um, I was reading it a little bit different this year, and and I I did so by asking this question. Uh, I opened up Luke chapter 2, and I asked myself, okay, I've played all these different roles in my childhood and even into my teenage years in the Christmas production, but, but which one of these um, people in the story, which, which character in the story am I? Now, I want to stop right here and say this is not a good practice to have when you read Scripture. Uh, we should never open up the Bible and say, where am I in the story? What does this have to do with me? In fact, I think that that can actually lead to a very messed up view of God and view of yourself. Uh, when we open the Bible here at Way Church every week, what we're asking is not where am I, but where's Jesus? Uh, it's not how does this apply to me, although I think that that matters somewhere down the spectrum. What's more important is what was God saying, what is God saying, and where is Jesus in this process? And we are definitely going to do that today, so don't throw any tomatoes at me. Um, But I just just did this exercise. I was just kind of like, okay, you know, this story has so many different characters. Which one am I most like? And so I started with Mary. I was like, what do I know about Mary? Well, I know that Mary was about 14 years old when this uh, story happened in Luke chapter 2. This was kind of the age that uh, young, young women would become engaged. It was around 14, 15 years old. Uh, we know that she was not from the nicest part of town. She was kind of from the ghetto. And, uh, you know, she, she was raised in the streets, like that type of a, of a girl. And she's engaged to a reputable man named Joseph, a guy with a high reputation. Uh, this was a couple that had saved themselves for marriage. And around this time, they're getting close to the wedding day. And an angel appears to Mary and says, you are going to conceive a child. And uh, this was crazy because her and Joseph had not even cuddled. They had not even cuddled, and they were like, wow, this is crazy, and Mary has all this faith, and, and I just, I picture this conversation that we don't really get to hear about in the story, but I picture that the conversation was a little bit, a little bit wild between her and Joseph when, when she begins to tell Joseph, uh, you know, I'm pregnant, and Joseph's like, who's the dad? And Mary's like, God, you know, crazy, <laughs> like but, but eventually they get on the same page because Joseph, uh, we read the rest of um, Luke's gospel and the other gospels. Joseph, by all accounts, was a great husband, great dad to Jesus and um, didn't just cast Mary aside and actually stayed with her. And uh, it's a really beautiful uh, story. But also we have to think about how they're explaining this to all the people in their lives. You know, hey, we're not married yet, but we're pregnant. Who's the dad? God. What are you going to name the kid? Savior of the world. You know, they're getting some crazy looks. We named our kid Lion, and we got weird looks for that, but they were, they were not as weird as the looks that Mary was getting in Luke chapter 2. I, I, I bring all this up because I have a lot of respect for Mary. I, I think Mary is one of the most intriguing people in all of the Bible, a woman with great faith, a woman with great favor on her, on her life, a woman who had to go through some really difficult things. Uh, think about the fact that she was on a camel for 90 miles in her third trimester, okay? All the ladies who have birthed a child in the room are like, shout out to Mary right now. Uh, Most Bible scholars believe that this journey that Mary and Joseph were on to get to Bethlehem 
was about 90 miles, which by camel would take probably about 10 days. Uh, but we know it probably took 20 days because they had to stop at every gas station for Mary to pee. And um, I, I look at the, the story of Mary, and, and I'm, gen I'm genuinely just like, man, Mary, she is a woman full of faith. I don't think I would be Mary in the story. I honestly think Mary has a lot more faith than I do. I think Mary is a lot braver than I am. I don't think I'd be Mary. So I moved on to the next one. I was like, okay, what about the shepherds? Shepherds, they're out there doing their job. They're in the field. They're taking care of the sheep. An angel of the Lord appears to the shepherds and tells them this amazing news. And the shepherds are the ultimate example of spontaneous obedience. They're just like, we're there. You know, the shepherds are those friends that get a text message and they show up to hang out five minutes after you sent the text message. That's these kind of guys. Uh, the shepherds were low people on the, po on the totem pole of society. They didn't make a lot of money. They weren't viewed as some sort of, you know, big high class type of a person. They were, they were lowly. They were humble. And I think it's so special and so revealing of God's character that they would be the first ones invited to come and witness the birth of Jesus, to come and, and meet the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But I don't really relate to their story either. I don't think we'd be the shepherds in the story because you and I, we have no experience, at least to my knowledge, of interacting with angels. I have no experience of seeing Jesus in human flesh, and uh, I, I want to have no experience of taking care of sheep. So I have no, no thoughts around us being the shepherds. And so from the shepherds, I moved on to the wise men, and I was like, okay, this is definitely not the character that I am, okay? No one has ever not used my name uh, and called me a wise man before. Um, uh, but, but their story is a really cool story too. Um, they actually follow this star that leads them to Jesus and Mary and Joseph. Uh, contrary to the way that it's portrayed sometimes in Christmas productions, they didn't show up five minutes after the shepherds and knock on the door. They actually showed up about two years later around Jesus' second birthday. They bring gifts. They bring um, these really expensive gifts. These were very wealthy people. And they show up and, and they actually begin to worship Jesus, which uh, there are lots of different things in the Bible that have really sharpened my faith and really encouraged my faith, but I don't think that there's one story in the Bible that's encouraged my faith in Jesus more than the story of the wise men, because Jesus was two, and I have a two-year-old who was up here for about half of the time that they were singing that song, and I love my two-year-old. He's the man. He's my, my little best friend. But there's never been not a single time in the history of my son's life that I have thought that he could be God. And so what encourages my faith is that these wise men, the wisest men maybe on the planet at this time, show up with gifts to meet a toddler version of Jesus. And their takeaway is this has to be God. I mean, that fires me up. But again, I read the story of the wise men. I'm like, I love this story, but I don't think that I'm the wise men either. So I went through every person 
in the story. I thought about Caesar Augustus. I thought about Joseph. I thought about the innkeeper. I thought about the people that were staying in the inn that were taking the beds of Mary and Joseph and, and Jesus. And I thought, man, I, I went through every single scenario. I even thought about the animals that were in the inn or outside of the inn uh, in, in the, in the uh, nativity scene. You know, the one in our living room has a little donkey and a camel. I thought maybe there was donkeys and there were camels there. And am I the donkey or the camel? And I, I started thinking through all these things and to cut to my conclusion, as I was reading, there was one character in the story that without a shadow of a doubt, I know that I am in the Christmas story. And that is the manger. I'm the manger. You're like, ooh, you're mahogany. Nope, it's worse than that. The Greek word used for manger in the Bible is the word fatne which actually means feeding trough. And so in my study this week, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, man, what, what exactly would go at the back of an inn 2,000 years ago? And believe it or not, Jesus, he was not born in a pottery barn crib or even an Ikea crib. Uh, he was not born in a shiplapped barn decorated with magnolia table furniture. He was actually likely born in more of a cave-like structure at the back of an inn property where travelers who were staying at that inn would store their animals. This is where they would park their camels or their donkeys. It's where the goats that they might be traveling with would stay the night. And if you looked in one of these shelters, I've actually got to visit one that is very similar to what they believe Jesus was born in. It would be this small little cave, and around the outside of the cave, they would have these stakes in, in the ground that they would tie their animals up to around the outside of the cave so their animals wouldn't run away. And in the center of the cave, they would have a feeding trough where they would dump the scraps from their meals, where they would just dump extra hay, extra stuff that their animals could eat. It would just be this kind of smelly, nasty mess. And I was reading the Christmas story I felt the Holy Spirit reveal to me, you are that nasty, smelly mess. I know without a shadow of a doubt, I would be the manger. The most kind way that I can say it, you would be the manger. What an amazing, amazing start to a Christmas sermon. What does this have to do with Christmas? I think it has everything to do with Christmas. This is what Luke chapter 2, verse 7 says. I'm going to read it to you one more time. It says, She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a mess. From Jesus' first breath, until his very last breath, he did not avoid the messes. From Jesus' first breath until his very last breath, Jesus was not afraid of messes. Can I tell you why this encourages me so much? Because when I look underneath the hood of my soul, when I look underneath all the appearances I try to put on, maybe any accomplishments that I've ever had in my life, when I look beneath the relationships in my life, when I look beneath what I do, when I look beneath the, even the, the history of my life, when I look beneath 
all of it, and I'm just really, really real with myself, what I see in my heart is a mess. Maybe you're here and you relate to that. It reminds me of something that a man named Solomon wrote. He was a king about 3,000 years ago. He wrote this. He said, there's a way that appears right to a man, but it actually ends in death. What I've learned in 29 years is that there's a way that often appears right to me that leads to a mess. Maybe you've experienced this. Maybe you're here and you've experienced this recently. Maybe the way that that you've been doing marriage has led to a mess. Maybe the way that you've been doing parenting has led to a mess. Maybe the way that you've been making decisions, the way that you've been spending money, it's, it's led to a mess. Maybe the way you entertain yourself has led to a mess. Maybe you're here this morning and your soul is asking the question, how did I get to this place? And if that's you, I want to encourage you and let you know that there are way more of us than you realize. And I also want to encourage you by saying that you have gotten to a place that a lot of people never get to, acknowledging that you're a mess. The reason King Solomon was known as one of the wisest people to ever walk this earth is because he was one of the wisest people to ever walk this earth. And he said, there's a way that seems right to a man. And when you think your ways are right, you never realize the mess that's in your life. But if you're here today and you realize that you're not the wise man or the shepherd, you realize that you're the manger, you realize that you're the mess, you are actually at the place that so many people never get to. The reason this has everything to do with Christmas is because in Jesus' first moments of life, he was placed in the mess. Jesus Christ is not afraid of messes. He doesn't avoid messes. He's not not trying to keep your mess at at arm's length. He he actually is attracted to your mess. Matthew 11, 28 is the only scripture in the Bible where Jesus describes his own heart. And what he says is he says, I am gentle and I am humble in heart. A man named Dane Ortland, in his book, Gentle and Lowly, actually took this scripture and dove into it in a really in-depth way. One of my favorite books I've ever read. And his takeaway is that if Jesus were walking this earth in human form today, we would look at him and we would say, that is the most humble and approachable person of all time. You know what we tend to do with our messes? We do not approach people with our messes. Uh, Just two nights ago, we had some friends from out of town visiting at our house and uh, the toilet was clogged. I'm not going to tell you how it got clogged, but it was clogged. And I was in our bathroom trying to fix the toilet without our friends knowing. And I'm in there. I'm trying to fix it. I'm trying to keep it quiet. Well, I was gone for like 10, 15 minutes. My friend comes walking around the corner trying to see where did my friend go that I came to hang out with. And he sees me swimming in the bathroom. And he was like, bro, you should have asked for help. But that's just it. When we have messes, we don't want help because we don't want anyone to know that we have a mess. And what Jesus wants us to know this morning is that if you have a mess, you can approach him with your mess. In Mark chapter 2, verse 17, Jesus actually says this saying, this extremely important message that reveals his heart. He says, I did not come for the healthy, but the sick. 
He says, I didn't come for the righteous, but the sinners. And so if you're here today and you realize that you're a mess, you're the reason Jesus came in the first place. The reason Jesus came and, and, and came and, and made himself human was for your mess. And so the first step in cleaning up any mess is, number one, acknowledging that there's a mess, but there's actually a second step, and it's figuring out who can clean it up for you. Um, about nine months ago, uh, my wife, she was, she was really pregnant with our second uh, our second kid, our, our daughter Mila, and my mom threw a baby shower for her in Atlanta, Georgia. And so I stayed in Nashville, and me and our son Lion, we just had a bro, a bro weekend. And so naturally, that Friday night, we went to Chick-fil-A, big Chick-fil-A guy. We go to Chick-fil-A, we're sitting there, we're eating our nuggets, and uh, I'm letting him try sweet tea for the first time, and I'm doing all the things that are going to get me in trouble with my wife, right? And so uh, then I had this amazing idea. I was like, I'm pretty sure that my son has never had ice cream. And so I took the toy that came in his kid's meal and I exchanged it for an ice cream cone. Did you know you could do this? I'm putting you on free Chick-fil-A game right now. Okay, I should be charging for this. This is just life hacks. You can exchange the toy for an ice cream cone. So I take it up. I get the ice cream cone. We're sitting there at the table and I let him try his first bite of ice cream. And you guys, the look on his face was magical. Uh, in fact, I have a couple of photos of that night. So this is, this is his first ice cream cone experience. That was right after his first bite, and this was just a couple seconds later. He's like, give me that ice cream cone right now. And so I stopped recording because I actually, I gave him the rest of this ice cream cone. I let him hold it, which was a huge mistake, okay? Uh, within 30 seconds, there was ice cream in his hair. There was ice cream on his face. There was ice cream all over. You couldn't see Mickey Mouse anymore. Like, it was all over his sweatshirt. And... Uh, he, he was cool with it for a little bit, but uh, he's kind of like me. Uh, Heron boys, um, you know, we don't like taking care of sheep. Uh, we like taking care of the wrinkles in our clothes. Come on. Like, like we, we don't like messes. And so he was fine with it for a few minutes, and then he started not liking that it was, like, on him. And so he started trying to wipe it off. And the thing about a mess is when you have a mess and you try to clean a mess, you just make more mess. And it's the same way. Spiritually, when you are in the middle of a mess in your life and you try to clean that mess up, you actually oftentimes just make a bigger mess. What you need when you're in a mess is somebody who has no mess to clean you up. This is the story of Christmas. There's bad news and there's good news. The bad news is you're a mess. The bad news is you are not the wise men, you are not the shepherds, you are not Joseph or Mary or even the innkeeper or Caesar Augustus, you're the manger. But the good news is that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus has no mess of his own, that Jesus lived 33 years without sinning, without blemish, his resume is perfect, and when he walked to the cross and died for your sins and for my sins, he did the only thing that could, could clean up your mess. Somebody who had no sin became sin so that you and I could become right with God. As a baby, he was placed in a manger. As a man, he was placed on the cross. As a baby, he was placed in a mess, but as a man, he proved once and for all that there was no mess that he could not clean up. This is the gospel 
of Jesus Christ. It's that I was a manger, that I am a manger, and that the king of the universe, the king of kings and the Lord of lords would be placed inside of me. I'm the manger, but he is God. I can't think of a better story. You you have the perfect motive for God so loved the world. And then you have the perfect gift that he sent his only son, the perfect gift. So what's the requirement for the gift? The requirement for the gift of Jesus is the same requirement that we had for the manger in Luke chapter two. It's simply to receive what's being placed in your lap. I remember what it was like for me. I was 21 years old. My life was a mess. I was in college. I was struggling. I was addicted to several different things. And I remember feeling like I'm not making this any better. And my best friend, my college roommate, who'd been trying to get me to go to church with them for three years, said, hey, bro, I got to show you this video. He's like, I know, I know you want to be a sports broadcaster and you love stand-up comedy. He's like, this isn't a stand-up comedian. It's a pastor who wishes he was a stand-up comedian, but, but you're going to think he's funny. And he sent me this like six-minute clip of this pastor who was telling a story about going golf with his wife. And it was hilarious. And that was it. It was just a six-minute clip. I watched this clip and I I thought it was so funny. I was like, man, I can't believe that that's a pastor. And so I I Googled the rest of that video because I was like, I got to figure out like who that guy is. And and I Googled this, this guy and this video. And 33 minutes later, I'm crying in my college dorm room because I was having an encounter, not with a fairy tale figure, but with the God of the universe who came down in human form so that he could take my mess once and for all. I realized finally that there's nothing that I can do to fix the problems, that, that the fundamental question of 2024, the fundamental question to end 2023 is not, what am I gonna do better? How am I gonna fix this? Where can I get more willpower? No, the fundamental question that you've gotta answer this morning is who am I gonna follow? because there's only one person we can follow that can take our mess from us, and that's Jesus. So what I would love to do is I'd love for you to just close your eyes. This morning in our, in our first service, we had four people who decided that they wanted to give God their mess, and I'd love to just give you an opportunity to do that. What we mean by that is we're just gonna give you an opportunity this morning to come into relationship with with God, with Jesus Christ. So if you're here today and you say, I think that I I would like that. I think I'd like to give God my mess. I think I'd like to be forgiven. I think I'd like a relationship with Jesus. If if that's you, will you just slip up your hand so I know who I'm praying with this morning? Can we just slip it up so I can see it? Thank you so much. It's amazing. It's amazing. Incredible. You can put it down. We're going to pray a prayer with you as a church. If you've been coming to Way Church in the past, you've heard us do this. We do this almost every week. But we pray this prayer together because we want you to know that we're so excited that you're 
you're making this decision. And something that we always say is that the power of this prayer is not the words that we're saying, it's the words that we're believing. And so I'm gonna give you some words to to pray, um, but it's not you repeating these words that gives you a relationship with Jesus, it's you believing these words that gives you a relationship with Jesus. And so the prayer is really just about asking God for forgiveness from what we've done for the messes in our life. And then it's just about accepting his grace and just declaring that we're gonna follow him and that we're gonna live for him and we're gonna live with him. And it's the most beautiful thing that we get to be a part of ever. And so this morning, can we just repeat this prayer together? Say, dear Jesus, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. The ones I remember and the ones I don't, you can have them all. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for taking my mess and cleaning it up on the cross. I want to follow you for the rest of my life. You are Lord, and I want to follow you. Thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we celebrate this morning? The people who just made that decision. Why don't you stand to your feet? Before we close today, um, man, I'm so fired up. Uh, But uh, I wouldn't feel right about closing our service today without talking about one other thing. When I think about Christmas, I think about what we just talked about this morning, which is Jesus stepping into my mess. But there's a second thing that I think about when I think about Christmas. Uh, I don't know what you think about when you think about Christmas. I'm, I'm guessing it's probably the same thing that I just said first, but then maybe it's Mariah Carey's Christmas album or, you know, Jesus but smaller or um, Christmas cookies, whatever. Uh, but the thing that I think about second is going to sound very die hard of me. I, I think about destruction. And the reason I think about destruction is because 1 John 3 8 says that the Son of Man appeared to destroy the work of the enemy. And I just want you to know that if you're here as a follower of Jesus, Christmas is not just about celebrating what did happen, but it's actually about celebrating what's continuing to happen on a daily basis. Um, I think about it this way. I'm a storyteller. I'll just tell one more story. When I was in college, uh, one of my friends that I made in college was a Navy SEAL. And so um, naturally we bonded because we had a lot of similarities. And it wasn't a joke. It wasn't. And so I remember one time, this is a true story. Uh, one time he was studying for a test and I was studying for a test. I, I went to school to be a broadcast journalist. And so I'm studying Uh, like how to make movies. And he was studying how to stalk people. (laughs) It's crazy, right next to each other. Anyways, um, but I remember one time he he showed me this video of the training that they had to do as Navy SEALs. And uh, it was like a seven day training where every day they were having to jump out of helicopters. And on the first day of their training, uh, they looked pretty funny jumping out of the helicopter. They looked like probably how we would look jumping out of a helicopter, you know, arms flailing, you know, they look terrified. Uh, All of them, you know, they're just praying and repenting right before they jump. Um, But but by the seventh day, they looked totally different. 
They, they dressed different. They had on a different uniform. They had guns on their back. They, they weren't scared anymore. They, they looked like they had this sense of duty. And I went from laughing to, to really being in awe of what I was seeing. I was reminded, man, they go through this training because they have a real mission. There's something that's really happening here. And as I read this story in Luke chapter 2, I think about the mess that Jesus stepped in to in, in my life. But I also think about the destruction that Jesus's mission is doing to the work of the enemy in our lives. And so this morning, what we're celebrating is not just the history of Jesus, but the future of Jesus in our hearts and in our lives. We're celebrating the fact that the next time Jesus comes, he's not gonna be laid in a manger. He's actually gonna be put on a throne that right now there are angels surrounding him singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. As followers of Christ, we are no longer victims of our circumstances in our sin. We are actually victors. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. This is the story of Christmas. It's that he who knew no sin became sin so that you and I could become right with God. It's so that heaven could come to earth. And I would hate for us to wait to get to heaven when we could see heaven come to earth in our lives. And so what I'd love to do to close this service is can we just open up our mouths? Can we just raise our hands? Can we just declare that God is holy and he is good. Can we just have a few minutes of worshiping Jesus together? God, you are worthy of every ounce of praise that we could give you this morning. We thank you that you did not make us try to come up to you, but you came down to us. We thank you that your mission was successful. We praise you for the goodness that we have seen in our own lives. God, we're so grateful that you're not just a God who did one thing for us, but every day we now get to walk with you. We get to learn the unforced rhythms of your grace. We get to take an easy and light burden as we follow you in this earth. God, I pray for every heavy burden that's in the room that we would place it at your feet this morning. God, I pray for every troubled minds, God, that there would be real peace, God, that as we sing about the peace and the joy and the hope that is in every Christmas song this time of year, God, I pray that we would realize that those things are actually a person and we would experience those things in our life, God. I thank you that we are more than conquerors through your son, Jesus. We worship his holy name this morning together. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Come on, in Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. Amen, amen, amen.